You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi everyone, this is Jeff Ellison. I want to alert you that today's show is brought to you today by Ohio vs. Everyone, a fantastic news site that is devoted to all things Ohio and sports. Go check out Ohio vs. for verse everyone today. So we have a lot to talk about on the show today. We've got some listener mail. We have the weekend series. And let's just lead off because I have uh, at least a dozen people asking me about uh, am I going to you know, eat crow? Do I need to apologize about Tristan McKenzie? Uh, what is my take on Tristan McKenzie? Here's my take at one start. Um, do you guys not remember Brian Talent, Jeremy Sowers, Jason Davis? We'll see what happens with McKenzie. He is facing a bad team. I know it's a team that took two out of three from the Indians over the weekend, and we'll get into more of that later on in the show. But it was, I mean, you can't, there's no negative from that start if you're an Indians fan. What McKenzie did was fantastic. He had a great showing. We'll see what happens as teams get tape on him. Uh, we'll see if I'm right or wrong. But, I mean, did he pitch better than I could have hoped? Absolutely. Do I feel like um, I am wrong? No, not yet. I'll have to see. But at the same time, I was really wrong on Aaron uh, Savali. So maybe I'll be wrong here, too. I mean, the Indians and the way they go about pitching development has made me look like an idiot more than a few times. So I I could be wrong. Uh, You know, I was talking with Justin Lada over at uh, Indians Baseball Insider, a guy I really respect a lot. And we were having, because again, you know, you don't always agree with everyone, but I just had to laugh because we're having this argument that is like, that's not what I saw. Well, that's not what I saw, but, you know, but I respect, you know, it was just this back and forth of, like, us saying what we had seen, but talking about how much we respect each other's opinion. It's, like, the nicest argument you could find. And, you know, the year before he had seen him, the stuff had looked better, and uh, the interviews had been better. 2018, I don't know if it was just the frustration with the injury and everything else. Not only did he not look good on the mound, but I was not the only person who interviewed him and came away unimpressed. Let's put it that way. So between those two things, it could have just been, you know, dealing with injuries, knock someone off, and maybe I just happen to see him at a bad time. There's the two years loss of development. I could easily end up wrong. I could easily end up being right. Uh, we're just, we're still in the early goings, and we won't have to see what happens when it comes to Tristan McKenzie and his performance. Um, our good friend, Zahn, asked, because I didn't get to it, about what can we learn about KC, uh, and he's talking about against the Twins, and I kind of, I, I saw his first tweet, and I didn't have a, a response yet, because I wanted to see more games, and it reminds me, I've not checked to see uh, how that game today went, so I should probably go ahead and pull that up while I'm at it, but le- coming into today's game, let's put it this way, uh, there have been three series, and they were, the Twins and the Royals were split. The Royals had, had swept them. The next was a three out of four game series, uh, where or it was a four game series, and the Twins took three out of four. And in this series, uh, Kansas City won the first one, then they lost the next two, which means now the Twins are you know barely above five hundred against a terrible Royals team. What do you take away from this? Well, what's been interesting is that uh, in their wins, the the Twins have been held in check. It's been like four or less runs. The Royals have had some bigger run totals, but. They're keeping him in check, and of those four wins, three of them came when Danny Duffy pitched, which is shows that the Twins struggle against lefties. When you go and you look at their lineup, uh, I had this saved, and I'm realizing I don't have the wrong uh, 
I don't have the right bit of information open in front of me right now that I had previously. But they do have more lefties in their lineup. And then the bigger thing with uh, with them as a team, just in general, is you know Donaldson is struggling right now. Uh, they have lots of injuries, lots of players who are down. Mitch Garver has been a big loss just because of how productive he was a year ago at a position that's hard to find production. Alex Avila actually hasn't been bad as a fill-in, but it's still a step down. You just look through their lineup. They're dealing with injuries. And their pitching staff is another place where it's a team that's loaded with injuries. Um, Brandy Dobnik has been utterly amazing, but the rest of that staff, and Kenta Maeda has been great as well. But beyond those two, I mean, even their closer has, uh, what was it, his his FIP? The closer has a great walk rate, a great strikeout rate, but his hit rate per nine is over 11. He's very hittable right now. And yes, I'm blanking on uh, his name. So you can go ahead and yell into the mic as I, I forget his name, but can think about the data. Uh, their, their pen has struggled. Their lineup is just not as effective as it was. And we'll go into that when we talk about the preview. But I think if there's any takeaway, it's that uh, lefties are kryptonite right now for the Twins. Like I said, it's also interesting to see the Twins start, or the Royal starters, only go four to five innings. None of these guys go deep into games. So then the bullpen is able to effectively keep the Twins in place as well. So... They're not letting the Twins see starters um, multiple times through. They're kind of keeping the flip that lineup over twice, and then we move to our pen, and then just one guy per inning, so you're not getting any extended looks, which is an approach. It's not a a bad approach, but that was uh, just a finally comment on uh, what are the Royals doing. That is what the Royals are doing to be effective. As of uh, Pete Podner, who has a question about acquiring Brandon Nimmo. Now, we had our first trade. It was an interesting one between the Red Sox and the Phillies. And the reason I say interesting is because uh, Brandon Workman is an effective pitcher with terrible control. Uh, And the control has been an issue this year. And Heath Hembree is a solid pen arm, but he is like the prototypical innings eater, back of the pen type of guy. Not someone you ever want to use at anything, even remotely high leverage. Nick Pavetta has amazing stuff. I got to see him in a minor league all-star game, and he was just unbelievable. He has struggled with control and really struggled with the Phillies. And Connor Siebold, I liked all the way back to his Fullerton days. I don't have his numbers directly in front of me, but he was a back-end starter at best. So the Red Sox save a little bit of money here. The Phillies barely stay under that luxury tax. And we'll see how it turns out. I mean, the the best arm in this deal to me is going to the Red Sox, and that's Nick Pavetta. But the most useful arms are 100% going to the Phillies, and they get two guys to help that pen, which has struggled mightily. So Brandon Nimmo, uh, who I'm probably mispronouncing, that's fine. Last year, um, you know, I had all these people telling me it's like they wanted their team to get him because he had a bad year. I'm like, yeah, he appeared in 69 games, but he was effective in those 69 games wasn't as effective as he was in 2018 but he is still an effective outfielder he has such a high walk percentage for his career you're looking at over 15 percent the strikeout percentage is at 26 percent and this year is so far the best start he's ever had um the 261 average 430 on base 49 slugging he's got uh four home runs I look at all this, his defensive value is always negative. He's not a good defender. I'm kind of curious to see his bat pip to see how lucky he's been. A 306 with a career bat pip of 
338. So he actually hasn't been super lucky. He's above average, what we'd consider for most players, but nothing where you're like, this guy's going to crater. And the average isn't super high to begin with. So he's just, he's being an effective outfielder. The tools were always there. He's a player with multiple years of control. Uh, he play he has played mostly center this year, uh, which is interesting because the Mets went out and traded for Jake uh, Mareznik, Mareznik to take over that center field spot, which has been a uh, issue for them. I, I feel like for years and years, ever since Juan Lagares got hit hurt, because before his injury, he had been uh, arguably the best defender in center field in baseball. And with Nimmo, you got 20, 21, and 22 in terms of his control. And when you look at this Mets team in general, they're doing quite well offensively. There's not too many weak spots outside of catcher, shortstop, and um, left field because of McNeil's injury. Catcher would be one of those places, if we had any value, it would still make a lot of sense uh, for the Mets to make a deal to to get something there. Shortstop, uh, you got uh, Jimenez and Rosario. At some point, you're expecting one of those guys will hopefully be able to step it up for them. And center field, I mean, that's an issue for the Indians. But maybe that is where a trade makes some kind of sense. Like, how do you get Nimmo with those years of control being, you know, extremely productive right now? And we're going to dive into that in just a moment here. RockAuto.com. Remember when you go to RockAuto.com, you're going to write in the little box, how did you hear about us? You're going to say Locked On. You can say Locked On MLB. You can say Locked On Indians. But make sure you put Locked On. And it's basically the warehouse model. I've talked about this before. It's, you know, it, it's kind of with Costco or things like that. It's a more extreme version. Instead of there being a bunch of little warehouses everywhere, it's one warehouse and they send you what you need and they're able to keep their overhead low and they pass those savings on to you. So you want to go to rockauto.com. Very easy to navigate. Great prices. Any part you need, you're going to be able to find on rockauto.com. And remember to say that locked on Locked on MLB or Locked on Indians is how you heard about their service. We appreciate that, and they appreciate hearing that as well. Ohio vs. Everyone talked about them at the top of the show. A brand new sports website that is all about Ohio, and I think this is a great move. I've seen so many Cleveland sites rise and fall over the years, focusing on Ohio in general. Uh, it gives you so many avenues for success, so many ways to, so many things to talk about. And yes, a lot of Cleveland sites will talk about the Buckeyes. They roll them in, or maybe even the Blue Jackets to a degree. But getting those Cincinnati teams, I don't know. As a kid, I always was a bit of a Reds fan as my National League team, just because they were in Ohio. So you get this chance to see all the Ohio teams. You know, if you just want to check out Cleveland, you can find it. If you want to check out the Buckeyes, great. Blue Jackets, the Cincinnati teams, all of it's there, and even more. This is an Ohio-focused site for the Ohio sports fan. And their Indian side in particular, I've talked about, they have a guy I've known for years, respected. No one knows the minutia of Indians history better than Matt over on OhioVerseEveryone.com. So go check it out today. Uh, no referral, anything like that. It's just, it's a fun site. It's got a strong Indians presence. You're doing, if you like this podcast, you will like that site. You're doing yourself a favor by checking it out. So the Mets. We talked about this, a team that's in pretty good shape. They need a center fielder. They're starting pitching. Uh, I don't know if Lugo has pitched this year. They went out and signed so many starters, and they just don't have much to show for it. Uh, you know, Mareznik is currently, I talked about him. Yes, he's not a pitcher, but he's supposed to be their center fielder. 
He's got a strained hamstring. Jed Lowry from two years ago that they got is still hasn't played. Uh, you know, Thor's got Tommy John surgery. David Peterson, who was either their top, somewhere in their top five pitching prospects, or just prospects. Shoulder fatigue, shoulder inflammation on Michael Waka. Marcus Stroman opted out of the season. They could use a starter. So how do you make a Nimmo deal work? Um, I think, you know, uh, on uh, Pete asked about Plesak plus a piece. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like in some respects, pitching is so hard to come by that Plesak has more value than Nimmo right now. And honestly, I think we're in a situation where uh, I would not be flipping Plesak. I'm going to look to flip Clevenger because you have less control and he has a higher elevating price. And the Mets don't care as much about elevating prices. And if you're going to do that type of trade, you know, what would Clevenger to the Mets look like? You know, in an ideal world, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to see if there's any way that uh, Jeff McNeil's stock is down a bit with his injuries and his uh, down production this year. Unlike, you know, when I, when I have a fan base come at me about Clevenger, Clevenger and his injury history, he still has, you know, four years of data. Uh, Jeff McNeil has 63 games in 2018 and 133 games in 2019. He's got that limited track record. I don't think you can get McNeil and Nimmo in such a deal, but I think you're trying to essentially get either, if you're going to do Nimmo for Clevenger, uh, you're probably going to flip him one of your outfielders back. Maybe it is someone like Greg Allen on the low end, uh, on the high end. Maybe you consider flipping a Mercado. And you're trying to add multiple bats. I think that's just really what it comes down to with the team and with the Mets and just the strength of their team. You know, I, I originally said like Conforto, but if you're looking at a Nimmo, maybe you try to get somebody like Andres Jimenez who could be a backup infielder for now and maybe move over to second base or shortstop in a year. We talked about the Indians and their need for a long-term second baseman. Uh, I've liked Mark Vientos for a while. Matthew Allen is their type of uh, pitcher they have gone after in recent years. Uh, they can't trade their recent draft picks. I'd also be curious to see what the Indians could do with someone like Thomas Sabuki. But basically, if I'm the Indians, I'm probably asking for Andres Jimenez and Brandon Nimmo and trying to do Clevenger. So that is what I would look at for one of those deals. So let's talk about this weekend series. Not a ton of time left in the podcast, but we want to dive in a little bit. Uh, anyone else a little bit concerned with Carlos Carrasco? That's a few, I think three or four, less than seller starts in a row. And that is the case for not trading Plesak or Clevenger because at the other end of this series, the, the Indians... Uh, and their loss was Adam Pletko just being awful. And he's not a great starter. Seven innings and three and a third. Ugh, Dominic Leone was bad in that one. He was he came back and was solid on Sunday. But Pletko should not be a starter. Um, we talked about Michael Fulmer is not good. He is not even remotely good. Uh, Daniel Norris has struggled this year. And Matthew Boyd has struggled this year. We got to face all three of those lefties, which should have been to the Indians' benefit. And it wasn't they were not able to take advantage of that because their pitching couldn't keep it together. Uh, Logan Allen came in and had to pitch a lot and probably got overpitched in this one uh, for what he's used to. Not the best performance, but at the same time, not absolutely the worst. Uh, not uh, below good. Not even average, slightly below average in terms of what I probably would want a guy to do. 
But for the Indians, the, the bigger story here was the offense was kind of mediocre. I mean, four runs is okay, but four runs on six hits, just three walks today. Uh, in McKenzie's win, they had they managed two walks and 12 hits. So they had that one game where they had double-digit uh, on base, and then four runs. Wait, that's the same one, isn't it? And then uh, five runs on 10 hits. They kind of came out of the gate hot and then uh, fell apart as the Tigers' pen shut them down. I guess the long and short of it is, I look at this series and without you know doing tons of deep diving, our issue is the starting pitching for once, right? Plutko isn't good. Carrasco has been struggling, and he's been struggling going back to you know last year where he had obvious reasons to struggle and there were some signs of decline back in 2018 as well so that concern stands out to me because he just might not be the same guy he was uh even without the uh the cancer issue he had a year ago i feel terrible even talking about him that way of what he's overcome but at 33 years old and a player who's always kind of been you know had some injury issues this past year, it, he's he's just not being effective. I, I guess that's the least nice way I can put it. And if we just went game by game, he came out and pitched so well in those first two games. And then since then, it's just been... I guess it was... No, it's like the first game was solid. The second game against the Twins was okay. A really good one against the Reds, where he talked about that was a team that was struggling. And then the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Tigers have all gotten to him. So there's a case to be made that Carrasco might be shaping up as more of a pen arm for this team. Uh, or as a fifth starter, we'll have to see. But when you look at it that way, especially with the fact that I think we can all agree Plutko should not be starting. Um, I think Wednesday they can call up Clevenger and Plesak as long as the team is okay with that. You make that move, and you definitely move Plutko back to the long man, uh, likely demoting uh, McKenzie. But maybe you let go one of the other arms, and you keep McKenzie as a starter, and you replace Plutko. They would only replace one, let's be honest. They call up both of those guys. McKenzie's going down because they're going to let Carrasco pitch. They're not going to knee-jerk with him. They're going to let him go this year. Uh, But there's certainly a case to be made that uh, the, the team could use both of the... I mean, what team couldn't use those two arms? Let's be honest, they're being ridiculous. But that those two arms would have a definite impact. And that if you had Clevenger and Plesak up, maybe they win this entire weekend. Maybe it's a sweep uh, instead of going one out of three against a bad team. And you know what makes you forgive your knucklehead teammates? Dropping two out of three to the Tigers. Uh, I think players will be ready to welcome them in with open arms after they've seen the pitching performances that happened over the past week. Uh, everything will be forgiven, and they just want to win. They want to go out there. You don't have you don't play sports without competitive fire where you absolutely hate to lose, and a weekend like this will get them uh, right back where they need to be. We'll do a preview of the Twins tomorrow, looking into that StatCast data. Uh, we'll talk about the game, maybe. I am starting teaching again, so... <laughs> Schedules and recording times will start to get a little bit different just based on the fact I have to be up early in the morning. So I wanted to be honest with everyone out there. 
what was your thought about this weekend? What was your takeaway? Do you agree with me that we finally had a weekend where it was the starting pitching that failed the team? Uh, yeah, the offense was a little lackluster in places, but uh, the whole of it was uh, two non-quality starts for a team that started the year just reeling off the quality starts. I have been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Indians podcast. Again, join me tomorrow as we dive into the Minnesota Twins, look at that stat cast data, look into uh, any rumors that might be heating up as we enter this final week of the trade deadline. I mean, the, the trade deadline end of August, we're a week out, hard to believe, and we've had that one trade, as mentioned earlier in the show, uh, with the Phillies and the Red Sox. And not, uh, there was a minor one with the uh, San Francisco Giants and the Tampa Bay Rays uh, as well. Uh, but we've seen one deal. I'm curious to see how many more we see. Uh, I've been Jeff Ellis. You have been a fantastic audience as always. And go Tribe!